Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. I love you guys. Oh, start with the snow. That's right. Say that now. We're going to get cuddly now because we're going to tell some times when we were not the hero of our own story. Or if we were, it was very much accidental. And the reason why we wanted to throw this episode out is because we can talk about things we've done, things we recommend, and all these things that end up being rosy and cute and adorable. It's not always gone that way. And we may tell a couple of tales once in a while where we screwed it up, but screwed it up in a very positive way. This isn't necessarily that. So we're not going to do intros. I'm going to tell you my story really quickly. They'll go around the horn. Everybody will do a little storytelling about their leadership fail and or stumble. So mine is a developmental story of stupid. And here's why. Who are As you? As a leader, pardon me? <laughs> Who are you? Who are, <laughs> I'm this channeling is, my inner me. This is Sam's den of love. Oh, you I, you're you actually did, asking. I did to tell who you are. So nobody knows who you are. So I've been around now for about the 60 episodes. My name is Dr. Sam. <laughs> 60 Claire. First time caller. Long and time. I'm a, a big fan. Love you guys. Love your work. And came from an experience where I was in education as both a student and a staff member in different capacities. And developmentally, we thought it would be fabulous. And I was a chief advocate. This would be a great plan. Let's help people work on their deficits. Because what is a good leader if they're not going to work on the things they're not good at? We should all just be plowing in and making up for those things that aren't us. So we had two people. One was super strong administratively. The other, super strong interpersonally. And they, we had a summer project and it required two people, an administrative person and a get to know you kind of person. So we thought developmentally, let's put them in the opposite jobs. Wouldn't that be great? Give them a whole <laughs> summer to work on being more administrative or being more personal. And this is a perfect idea. Love it, love it, love it. High fives around. Pop, pop, pop. So give them the assignments and the affect is like, no, just not terribly interested. And of course, they're team players. We'll give it a shot. About a month in, I think the phrase was something like this. We know what you're trying to do, and it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> and so thankfully, they saw it. They knew it. But we're a month in. And also, I wasn't a great leader. So I was hearing that as, yeah, we're a month in. There's another month to go. Saddle up. Because we got to finish this thing out. <laughs> and pushed on, man. We forged ahead because if you're not going to fill those deficits unless you work at it, by golly, you got hit leg day. You can't skip every time. So let's go do this thing. And that got wrapped up. Late. And the summer was all taken care of. And so we were discussing at the end. And so, Sam, had that. let's not do that experiment ever again. <laughs> and the folks involved were not happy. Supervisors, not happy. Customers, not terribly happy. Because administrative stuff was not smooth. Interpersonal stuff was not smooth. And if we just sat back and said, yeah, this is 
nice to want to think about helping these folks this way. But the reality of it is we have work to do. We have a product to put forward. Let's put people where their strengths are and let them be who they are in a very natural kind of way and work on the deficit filling, the perceived deficit filling. Another way, a different scale, a different time. So that was one mistake I made that thankfully didn't repeat. So it was a lesson learned and I did not stumble into greatness. I walked <laughs> through the mire of stupid for months because by gosh, we made a decision and we're going to go for it. So that's my tale of humanity. That's right. And I opened the floor to who cares to share their story of biffing it and or falling into a puddle of something good. Only one story of biffing it because I've biffed it a lot. We do have a recording time limit on the software. So we have that to worry true. about that. That is true. Okay. So I was in a, I was working for a company. I was seven years in and had done very well, uh, was working and we were in unbeknownst to me because it had not been communicated to me in any way, shape or form. Communicated we, to you, but who are you? Who am I? I oh, sorry. Like, Tank, you, you're you, right. I fell for it too. Gosh, darn it. Oh, it's shucks. Either just put that one up we, to another. I don't know who I am. Who am yeah, I? We need caution tape on that step for sure. We need caution I tape. It too. I'm Jeff McLaughlin with Professionals at Play. Professional player and wait, that came out wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they are fun games and activities. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I was with an organization. This is a good episode, Sam. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> this may be an example of where he biffed it. Yeah. <laughs> one of the many times he biffed it. And so I was not told by my business partner that we were, that he had been speaking to an organization that was a nationally recognized organization with books and trainings and all these different things. And they were a much larger company than us. And they were apparently actively recruiting us, but I was not told this information. And so we go out to have dinner with them and they were based in Seattle, Washington, live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And I still live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And they, they, they did this roundabout way. There was no like direct communication. They, I think something was mentioned about, so how do you feel about living in Seattle? And without looking at my business partner or without any compunction at all, I just said, yeah, it's a nice place to visit. I would never want to live there. I'd blow my head off or I'd kill yeah. someone on a freeway. And my so business partner, like, I just kind of shut it down right there. And I went to the, her face just went, uh, oh, wow. I said, yeah, way too many people don't like it at all. I'll go in the summer for my two weeks a year and then I'm done. And I have to take a year to recover because that's all I can handle. And that was the end of that whole relationship, which turned out to be a blessing. Turned out to be a blessing, actually. However, the debrief with my business partner was, you realize that they were shopping us, that they wanted us to come work. <laughs> And I was like, that would have been nice to know. And gee, that would have been really nice to know because <laughs> I might have said something different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, life goes on. Thankfully. Thankfully, yes. Yeah. But if you made the move, apparently. So yes. Yeah. Here from a Jeff or a V. Myra. Okay. I'm sitting here thinking I really don't like telling stories on myself very well. <laughs> kind of hard on the <laughs> Yeah, it's developmental. Okay, Sam, you know what? Yeah, I may have learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't because you're throwing a, bit. a very embarrassing moment for me and I almost got fired over it. I was in property management and was I was ready to climb up the ladder and I just knew that I could handle anything and wanted more properties and more responsibility. And I had 
the biggest property I had been over was like 72 units. And they decided that I was the perfect person for an inner city scattered site, 241 units. Came with its own bunch of problems, but scattered sites meant not apartments, but duplexes and houses. First thing, I, I was hitting the road hard and met with my maintenance guy. And he says, we've got this house over here. It's a mess. We can get it. I've got a contractor. We can get it done in 24 hours. I said, that's great. I've got three people that want to rent it. How, you know, and so they worked, I authorized them without getting a bid, thinking I knew everything, authorized them to fix that. If you can have it done in 24 hours, I'll have somebody moved in within by the weekend. And we did it. And yay, that's, you can't get money, right? If you're not, don't have them rented. Oh my God, we got the bill. We got the bill. It was over $10,000 to turn each unit. Oh, it was over 10,000. This was back in the late nineties. It was over $10,000. Now, did they do a good job? They did. Did I tell them to do it? I did. Did we, did we have the ultimate goal? Yes, we did, but we could not pay the contractors and all oh, talk about embarrassing. It was, they're standing there waiting for their money. I had authorized it and I had to go to my boss and tell them what I'd done, which was very embarrassing. It was very, it, extremely embarrassing. It took me down about nine pegs. And I thought I have a whole lot of stuff to learn yet. A whole lot. Sure. But let me tell you, I don't consider that a failure. I consider it very embarrassing, but I didn't quit my job and go off in the corner. I used that as a springboard. I never made that mistake again. And I always got bids ahead of time. So yes, it's embarrassing to even tell. It's embarrassing because I hate not being able to pay a contractor. And I put myself and I had to make a lot of, of I had to do a lot of creative stuff to get them paid. And, but the worst part was going to the owner of the company and explaining why did I do that? But you're going to make $250 a month on the rental unit. Come on. <laughs> I know. How can my excuse was, how can you make money if you, if nobody's in there? Right. There might be some. There's stuff. one way you spend 10 grand getting it ready. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they have to live there for two grand. years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They have to live there for so, two years to pay their rent. And I didn't tell you who I was, but you did introduce me a little bit, Sam. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm the only one with the female voice in here in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> good, good call. It's, it's me. It's okay. <laughs> All right, we're running, running short on Jeff's here. We need a Jeff. Can a Jeff pop in, por favor? Beauty before age, my friend. That's a toss-up, gentlemen. I was going to say, wow. That's... <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. No, it's hard. I'm trying to sit here and think of, I've had my share of, of shit shows, put people in wrong places. I've started programs that have fell apart and didn't work. And But I've also done things that has worked really well. Things surprised me that worked, that became a mode of operation for not only me, but fecal I'm just trying to think of one. When I first became a leader, it was when I was working for the Boy Scouts and I'm a super high eye on a scale of zero to a hundred, hundred being the highest you can get as being a high eye. I'm like a 98. And so I'm all about building the relationship and having fun. And I'm working with nine people that are as different could be. So I was going to baffle them with my 
with my artistic skills. So whenever we did anything, I always made a fun football game out of it or baseball game or soccer game or something. I was going to do something really fun. And I later found out that they didn't care. I put three days worth of work in. And if you're 90% of your fundraising goal, you're on the 90 yard line and everyone got their favorite football team and I color coded it. And I made sure that it was all, everything was all even out. And I made a feel, I put a lot of time and effort into this. I'm like a closet graphic designer. And then I'm sitting there and I'm going over this and I'm throwing, I got pom-poms and I'm throwing candy out and I'm hooping and hollering. And I've got my I've got my boom box playing stadium music game, stadium music that they play at football games and things like that. Careless Whisper. Yeah. No, not so much Careless Whisper. But yeah. But big raucous song like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ruckus. (laughs) Yeah. Just makes me want to just, ah. But yeah, they could give two craps about my artistic (laughs) skill. My boss goes, you're really good and talented, but I think you need to pick it up a couple notches. And I'm like, whatever do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm baffling them with my wonderful artistic ability. And he's "Ah, no, they need to produce. They're enjoying (laughs) your candy and they're enjoying the music and they need to produce. But so that was the, that was one of the dumber things I've done. I, that's when I, it's about the numbers, not so much about the, it's about the bang, not so much about the flash. <laughs> right. But the thing, good things I've done is I fell into it. And I told the story before is I had a, a guy, I was director of the local United way. And I had a, a guy that wanted to leave the board. He says, I've been here six months and I'm going to leave. No one's ever asked me to do anything. And I said, hang on, I'm going to, I'm going to try something. And I want you to be a part of it. I had no idea what the hell I was going to do. And I just sat and I said, let's, he's a CPA. Let's put together a bunch of finance people and let's call it a finance committee. And it was honestly the smartest thing I ever did. And I did it for throughout my career because you're putting people around the table that are experts at finances, looking at a nonprofit's finances on a regular basis and taking ownership of those finances. And that's when I said, well, that worked really well. What if we did a campaign committee? And what if we did a housing committee? And what if we did a, a thrift store committee? And what if we did all these different committees and putting in experts? And it, so when I teach nonprofit courses at the local colleges and universities, the University of Idaho's non, or in University of Idaho's nonprofit certification program and, and Idaho colleges program, and when I talk with other nonprofits and companies, um, they all act like it's an epiphany. And I'm like, well, actually, it's out of pure laziness because I'm recruiting people that are job specific. I don't have to go out and just find somebody that will fill a hole. I need somebody that can actually be productive. And that was one of the smartest things I've ever done. But so those are the tales from Jeff Conroy of Conroy Leadership Consulting. <laughs> I, Conroy, Conroy I, this might be a topic for a different podcast, but I, I've always thought for all intents and purposes that most committees are where good ideas go to die. How right. did you get the, how'd you get the committees, committees to actually perform? Because that's where the work, that's where the work of the board, the work of the organization was done. The board meeting then became a report meeting. I'm a big believer that a board meeting should never last more than an hour and committee meetings given agenda of things they needed to accomplish for that meeting can get a hell of a lot of work done in an hour. And then you do it over lunch, you provide lunch. So if the finance committee, they would, I'd get the finances to them three days before the meeting. And by having CPA, CFOs and bankers, they all look at a ledger differently. Some are looking at the bottom line. Some are looking at the details. Some are looking at the subtotals, but they're all looking at it, which is important because 90% 90% you're getting me going 90% of a nonprofit board could give two shits about a finance. They don't understand it. They can't read it. So you really need a group of people that understand the finances to develop those, to oversee your finances. And it's the treasurer and a committee and they're not board members They're The treasurer is on the board, but everyone else is just on a committee. 
and you're buying them lunch once a month and they're going over the ledger. And, and then you talk about things like, hey, I have to start an endowment. And then they start popping up and they start putting pieces together for putting an endowment together. It really did domino into one of the signature things that, that one, I'm known for in this area. We're working with nonprofits and two, things that I've been really successful with and that I teach at the cert local certification programs. So, sorry, that's, that's so committing ideas don't go to die. That's where ideas for me, ideas germinated and became reality. So, sorry. All right. Gary, how about you, sir? Cool. The reason my coaching company is called Phoenix Coaching is because the Phoenix rises out of the ashes as, and maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better, but as any experienced leader would tell you, there's been many opportunities to learn along the way. And I've been leading people for many decades and there are many, not that I can remember them all because I, I think what my mindset has always been, oh, that didn't work. What can I learn from that? What do I need to learn from that and apply going forward? And then you don't go back there. It's yesterday. I don't keep revisiting it. But I think probably my biggest blunder I can think of, it happened twice. It took me two times to learn the lesson, is promoting people that had no leadership experience, but they were good people. They were good workers. We had a good relationship, I thought, and promoted them into a leader, not a major leadership thing, a leadership position. And it was a miserable failure on both times. And maybe it's the old, the axiom or whatever that you know, they're Peter, it's not an axiom, a principle, the Peter principle that everybody gets promoted to their level of incompetence. And maybe I just helped these two people get there. I don't know if I was Peter in that example, but yeah, ju just because people say they want to do things and maybe they appear to be committed and great team players and all that stuff doesn't mean they have the ability to learn how to be a leader. I, I sh no, I'll say that different. I think everybody has the ability, most everybody has the ability to learn. Just didn't have the desire to learn. And they, be, they got the title and then all hell broke loose because they were the, the leader and the own it part of my responsibility that I didn't do enough to teach them what true leadership really is. It isn't about you and it's about everybody else. And I was trying to make it about them and make it, make them leaders and it just failed miserably. So I'm Jeff from Phoenix coaching. And I can tell you that if you're a leader and you're listening to this podcast, or you want to be a leader and you're listening to this podcast, the failures are really opportunities to learn. And, and you can go at it again. Just don't keep repeating the same. Don't keep doing the same thing and getting the same horrible <laughs> result. Learn from it. Actually rise from the ashes. Don't just stay stuck there in the pile of ashes. So even if you burn it to the ground, there's still a second chance. Exactly. It, it isn't over until you take your last breath. In fact, I was talking to someone just yesterday, business owner, and he's in his mid-50s. And he said, it's too late for me. And, and I vehemently disagree with that. It's never too late, people. We don't know how much time we have and we don't, and it feels when you're 50 or 60, you've got less time than when you were 20 or 30. But the fact of the matter is you don't know how much time you have and, and therefore get after it. It doesn't matter how many times you failed, or maybe you think you, you should have been a leader a long time ago and it's now just happening for you. Get, get after it. You can learn and don't be afraid to fail and don't hold the gun to your head and go, ah, this gun won't kill me, but I'm not talking about that. Get after it. It doesn't matter how old you are, how much experience you've got, get it done. You're going to fail and then learn from it and let's move forward. Fail fast, fail frequent, get better. Yeah. Love it. And uh, fail fast forward. Fail, fail fast forward. Yeah. Geez, Sam, this has been cathartic. That's right.
<laughs> and using so that guy as example, you don't need to use a, a, a terminal example <laughs> as far as your risk is concerned. It's okay yeah. to take different kinds of risks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'd be happy to tell you about my failure, but it killed me. So I can't tell you. <laughs> Yeah. Ow. Come on. It, that, that does, that's not the way it happens. We, we all have however much time we have. And if, boy, if you're, you're called to leadership, like the five of us are, and you're listening to this podcast, which, I, which there's indicator number one, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously called to leadership, whether you're a leader or not and get after it. There are skills you can learn. There are things you can do. And when some of them don't work out, then take what you've learned and keep moving forward. Amen. Right. Yeah. And you know, like we were kind of teasing this little bit cathartic and fun to tell stories, but the, more importantly for all of you who are listening, not one of us has gotten to where we are by this perfectly pristine path of perfection. It's just been, wow. in some cases, really big learning opportunities, some cases, some successes have taught some stories. And I think I'm pretty safe to say our stories aren't precisely linked to recovery, which were quite that haphazard. But as you grow into your leadership role, Think about the mistakes you make and the ones that are coming because there will be some down the road and you can recover. It, think about how your supervisors can support you, how you as a leader can supervise, or excuse me, can support your people knowing that learning requires discomfort and beginning to be a better leader is going to involve errors, mistakes, blunders, and hopefully some stories you can tell. So with that, I want to ask the group one last comment for the, the dear listeners out there. I just want everybody to know that leaders are people too. Leaders are people too. And they're, we're not up on a pedestal any place. God isn't behind our name, but we've made mistakes and learned from them. Hopefully we've learned from them and we don't believe in failure. We just keep on going. Very good. Yeah. Nicely that, said. That, that's really good, Meyer. I was thinking maybe, maybe we can do another pot, uh, episode on this, that there's a difference between perfection, which none of us can attain even though we'd like to maybe, and excellence. So a difference between perfection and excellence, which we can be, right? We're being the best we can be. Excellence is the pursuit of perfection, not the realization of it. And yeah, we can learn and we can be better tomorrow than we were today, just as today we're better than we were yesterday. Absolutely. Yep. Very good, friends. Another great conversation. Happy to have been here. And if you're listening and think, man, these people, they've bumbled and they've done okay. I want to know more about that. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, or just email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. We'll get back to you super quick because we want to have that conversation. And there's no reason to have a podcast without discussion. So folks, bring your questions, thoughts, stories, and let's have at it. Thanks for listening. And we'll listen to you. We'll listen to you. We will. We're going to and action. Action. All right, cut, strike that, reverse it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.